Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 14 of ABC on Pittsburgh Sports. We have Michael Indonisio, Tom Bradley, and me, Mark Clemente, joining you once again. And listen, no injuries stop us. We're going to be here week after week, shedding insight, giving you knowledge of the sports world. Tommy's got a bum back today. He's up and down. So if you hear some noises, you hear the chair moving around, whatever, that's Tommy's trying to get comfortable over there. But like I said, nothing stops us. We keep it rolling. We're getting old, so <laughs> we stuff, it, stuff it shouldn't hurt hurts now. There's no avoiding it. For no apparent reason. Yeah. Yes. No apparent reason. Yeah, we just wake up and stuff hurts. Um, been a crazy week, obviously, since uh, we were last uh, we last did our podcast. Big story, NFL draft. We talked for weeks and weeks and weeks about it. We made our predictions. Michael, you broke down position by position. And wouldn't you know, the Steelers did go quarterback. We knew they would. All three of us thought they were going to go quarterback. But we didn't have the right one. No. No, we didn't. I had Desmond Ritter. I, I still think he's the best quarterback in the class. I mean, that's just my opinion. Um, you know, Atlanta got value there uh, when they took him. Steelers jumped on the guy that they thought was their guy. And, you know, they didn't move down. Right. You know, they, they didn't just, move yep. up. They stayed, they stayed where they were. And, um, you know, they got the guy that they wanted. Um, we're going to find out real quick if, if, if he's the right guy. Tommy, your thoughts. We were here watching the draft together. Yeah, we did it all Michael together. ruined it for me. Well, yeah. you asked me to. I mean, <laughs> I, I said, you want to know? Don't you want to? Yeah, I want to know. No, I don't want to know. Well, I mean, so we were on like a 30-second tape delay with the, the freaking internet. Right. Uh, so I gave it to you. Yeah, i I not surprised they went quarterback. I am surprised. That, I mean, you know, it's funny, the revisionist history. I keep hearing everywhere, you know. That uh, you know that people are saying, oh, you know, Pitt or Steelers reached for Pickett, or they didn't, you know, all this kind of stuff. I mean, every mock draft that I saw that Pickett was going to six to Carolina, almost all of them, up until the last week or so. Then that started mm-hmm. to move the needle a little bit. Um, but the reality of it is, I mean, you know, the Steelers took Pickett at one, and, mm-hmm. and what was the next one? What was the third, third round? round? Third yeah. round was yeah. uh, Ritter, 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 and, and then Malik Willis. Willis yeah, yeah. Malik, all the talk about Malik Willis. It was mean, a smokescreen. They did a hell of a job with that. There was talk of Malik Willis going at two at one point right. overall, mm-hmm. and he winds up going where he goes. I mean, it was a strange draft for quarterbacks, you know. Then, you know, again, you hear the what if, could the Steelers have done this or done that, or could they have gotten a guy in the second round? Hey. You know, that's their call. If they think Pickett's their guy, then they made the right pick. Right. You know, I, I'm not crazy. And they said he was their guy all yeah. along. I'm not crazy about it. I think it's – I didn't think this was the year, as we said, leading up to this. I thought this was the year to sit back mm-hmm. and, and fill other holes. Um, but, uh, you know, they this is the, – the draft, we can talk about everything two through seven that we want, but this is the Kenny Pickett draft. Mm-hmm. Pickett hits, it was a great draft. If he doesn't right. hit, then this was uh, this was a waste of a year. Yeah, this was Kevin Colbert's last draft, and it's well, going to be measured by the, the success that Kenny has. Well, Mark, you said that you know Colbert said this was their guy. Yeah. Well, they took him, so it may right. not have been their guy. Maybe their guy was gone. Maybe Jordan, Jordan Davis was right. their guy. Or Kyle Hamilton. Or Kyle Hamilton. Or what, yeah. Somebody moved, you know, Philadelphia moved mm-hmm. up to get Jordan Davis. I, I thought that would have been the pick. Had he been there mm-hmm. and Kenny would have been there, it would have been interesting. So, of course, he's going to say he's the guy. He's not going to say, well. Well, they're guy all along. I, my point to that was Malik Willis, the whole stuff oh, uh, was, a smoke yeah, okay. well, it was a smokescreen. Okay, I, I, okay. Yeah, yeah, you clarified yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, okay. yeah, I thought yeah. you said that was no, the no, player. No, no, I wouldn't okay. go there. No. Okay, all right. I'm saying quarterback. I think the whole Malik Willis stuff, they did a hell of a job sending that message that that was their guy and all along it was Kenny and they said that. So what I will say about Kenny, trying to put all bias aside, if you look at the improvement that he made from 2020 to 2021, 
from a 22-year-old to a 23-year-old. What's to say that when people say, oh, he's got a lower ceiling than all the... What's to say we can't see another exponential jump from him from 23 to 24, 24 to 25? We know that's when we hit our athletic peak. So I don't think these people that are saying, well, he's got a higher floor, lower ceiling. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Obviously, time will tell. But given the, the improvement that we saw from him from, as I said, 21 to 22, from a probable fourth or fifth round pick to a first round pick, to 40, you know, from 14 touchdowns to 42 touchdowns, from 13 interceptions to seven, his accuracy increased exponentially. That's what I don't understand. His decision making was also yeah, everything about him was much better. So what's to say we can't see the same thing for the next three years, right? So that's why I think, hey, this may be a very good pick because we may have not seen the tip of the iceberg yet with Kenny Pickett. And playing devil's advocate mm-hmm. on the other side of that, did the, did, the, did the numbers go up because he was a 23-year-old playing against 18- and 19-year-olds? Well, I would say there's so, a lot of 20 because of COVID stuff. Yeah, so, and, and, I mean, so, look at Skalski at Clemson. He's like 35. I mean, so – and well, I, that was my benchmark for Kenny. And Michael knows this. That Clemson game – Showed me everything I needed to know. That was about a really it. good defense. That was a real third ranked defense in the country coming in because they oh Clemson was down last year overall because they didn't have a quarterback, but their defense was still a Clemson defense, and he picked them apart with his hands, with his arm and his legs. That Pitt has no, they're not in that game without Kenny Pickett. And what I we were walking out of that game, and I said that was his statement game. He's a first round pick. This kid's for real. Yeah, and, and you look at how the draft played out for the Steelers. You know, I, I said last week on the podcast that I thought if Jordan Davis was there and mm-hmm. the quarterbacks were there, I thought they would take Davis. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is, you know, um, the non-quarterbacks that they had in for their for their 30 visits and, and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, most of those players were gone. Jordan Davis was gone. The wide receivers were gone. Kyle um, Hamilton Kyle was Hamilton gone. Was gone. Right. So when you look at that, you know, uh, you know the the quarterbacks were there. Obviously, the next pick was McDuffie from mm-hmm. from Washington. But the Steelers don't take cornerbacks. It, right. It's whether they value them or they're the ones that they take or they never work out. <laughs> you know, whatever it is. You know, I, I thought that you know is you know that McDuffie, Dax, Daxton Hill, or the quarterbacks was the, was going to be the picks. And knowing the Steelers and their history, it doesn't surprise me. If you know the great Ed Bouchette who retired this week. Um, he said, "If if the Steelers think that th- that's their quarterback, all that matters is what they He's think. Right. Mm-hmm. So obviously, they think that Pickett is the guy. The one thing I will say that I think personally, it's a good that Pickett is the right quarterback for the Steelers over everybody else, is that I don't trust the offensive coaching staff. And we mm-hmm. talked about this. I don't think they have the right pieces in place to develop an NFL quarterback. So the fact that Pickett is, you know." Pretty more advanced, more advanced, yeah. advanced yeah. and doesn't need the, the hand-holding that some of these other quarterbacks, specifically Malik Wills, will do. I think that gives me hope that this has a better chance of succeeding. Um, they added some pieces around it that I think will help fit the Matt Canada offense for whatever the hell that is, whatever that's going to be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the big picture, I think that, that the offense makes sense. I just still think that you have Trubisky and Trubisky and other Trubisky and Pick. I think they're mm-hmm. I think they're the same quarterback. I think it's very similar. So you know, I, I'm just afraid that that's going to wind up derailing what they're trying to do. So we'll see. We'll see we'll what see. happens. Yeah. And you mentioned Daxton Hill, which is a perfect segue to the rest of the draft. And let's talk a little about the rest of the Steelers draft, which I thought was really solid for the most part. Uh, and, and 
Pickens, second-round pick, George Pickens, University of Georgia, wide receiver. We talked about him. I talked about him extensively. Uh, if he yeah. doesn't tear his ACL, he's at the top of the first round, most likely, by all accounts, going into the season, the most talented wide receiver in the draft. There's a video of him out there that he puts Daxton Hill on his ass. Great blocker, great size, great strength, high points of the ball, tremendous hands, great route runner. Uh, I think they nailed it with that pick. Yeah, I agree. I, I've, I've been trying to follow up on this. You know, I saw some things the night that he was drafted about him being, you know, the Steelers have their hands full and all this stuff. I can't find anything that backs no, that statement it's up. Just because he's just, scrapped with players, he's competitive. He squirted water on an opponent yeah, one time I mean, on the sideline. I, I don't know. I don't. I haven't seen anything that makes me think. Because my first reaction when I saw some of that was, "Great, we have another baby in the room with right. you know Deontay Johnson and Claypool and stuff." That I've been begging for an adult to be in that right. room. But I haven't seen anything. I mean, other than you know that stuff, I, I think it's a great pick. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he has the potential to be what we all hope Claypool would mm-hmm. be. Um, the only thing I, I thought about when they first took him was that Sky Moore was, was right behind him. I mm-hmm. think it was the next pick. Right. Yep. And I thought they really needed a slot receiver, but I think they got, they got that in the fourth round. Right, yeah. And uh, someone who could yeah, be better. I, I think. Yeah. Calvin yeah. Austin's a good right. receiver. Yeah. I I think you know Pickens. I you know I I did hear the same things. Like you know mm-hmm. they were talking that he was it was a problem in the locker room. Like Tom said, I looked around. I didn't right, see anything. Yeah. I, the only question was the injury. Okay, mm-hmm. he came back. He didn't have to come back last year, but he wanted to come back and play the last mm-hmm. couple of games of the year to prove that he was healthy. And he wasn't just going through the motions. I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen what he did oh, with Daxton Hill. Right, yeah. um, the, the kid before that, I mean, he was first off coming out of high school, he was the top wide receiver in the country. Um, he reminds me a lot of A.J. Green. Um, and he's a little bit bigger than A.J. Mm-hmm. Green. Um, so, That's yeah, like scary. you said, he high points the ball. Mm-hmm. He's a physical receiver. I, I like him on the outside. I think Deontay Johnson is more, to me, he's more of an inside slot guy. Like, I know they play mm-hmm. Juju there, but, you know, uh, Johnson, I think he, he works better in space, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you can move him around, and then you got Claypool on the other side, and then now you got the fourth receiver in Calvin Austin, but – um, the third round pick I really liked, Leal. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking. He's about, another one you, you, yes. you we we brought when we were talking yeah. about defensive linemen. You mentioned him as, as a possible day yes. two pick. Yes, he was a day two pick, mm-hmm. and he was one of those guys that fits their scheme. You know, we've seen guys that don't fit their mm-hmm. scheme. This guy, you can move him around the mm-hmm. defensive line. Tom talked about it in pre- previous podcasts that uh, they need to get younger on mm-hmm. the defensive line. They did that there. Their first yep. four picks to me were were solid. Is I mean, yep. as anybody's in in the draft. I mean, you could talk about winners and losers in the draft. I thought the Steelers did a really, really good job. I mean, I thought Philadelphia, obviously, mm-hmm. and the Jets did really well. Well, the Jets had so many picks. You better do well <laughs> yeah. with those. But I thought Philadelphia just getting A.J. Brown from mm-hmm. Tennessee. I mean, that that that's yeah, yeah. That, that's a first-round pick. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that so that was huge. But, yeah, the Steelers, I thought, were solid the first four rounds. Yeah, and I will say Calvin Austin, aside from Pickett, was my favorite pick of the, for the Steelers. This kid, 4-3 speed, explosive. And I heard people saying after the draft here, oh, another Dree Archer, another Dree Archer. Mm, um, no. no, no. This kid is a wide receiver. Plus, let's not forget, Tommy talked about the offense. Remember back to when Matt Canada was the offensive coordinator at Pitt. He had Quadri Henderson. Look what he did with Quadri Henderson. Guess what? Calvin Austin is the guy. They didn't have anybody to fill that role last year. Now they have him. Watch what they do with this kid. Watch what Canada does with him. With Kenny Pickett, a mobile quarterback, there's going to be a ton of misdirection, um, jet sweeps, RPA, and you name it. They're going to line him up everywhere, I have a feeling. Well, what they He's a weapon. What they've done over the last couple of years very quietly is that they have completely redone the offense to mm-hmm. the point now where 
Um, I mean, Mitch Trubisky is the old guy at 27, <laughs> right. and yeah. I think just about every other projected starter they have is going to be 25 or younger next year. And that includes the whole, whole, whole offensive yeah. line. Yeah, everybody, yeah. everybody yeah. on the team. So, I mean, you have a, you have an offensive unit that conceivably could be put together for the next, you know, five, six, seven mm-hmm. years uh, of playing together and growing. And, you know, and that, and that that's the, the, the weapons that they've put in and will continue to add is what's going to make the best use of Kenny Pickett. I mean, mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett, in my opinion, is not going to be the star of the mm-hmm. team. He's not going to be the guy that drags everybody along. But you put him in the right system and give him the right pieces, he's going to make the right decisions. He's going to put the ball where it needs to mm-hmm. be. He's going to lead the offense. Guys are going to want to or play, want to play with him and follow him. And I, I think that what they're doing offensive side of the ball is is interesting. I mean, you look at it, they could have Pickens and Claypool on the outside. They could have mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson and Austin running around in the middle with Firemuth <laughs> at tight end. They got Najee at, uh, at running back. And, you know, they've got pieces at the offensive mm-hmm. line. We still got to see how they fit together. Right. I still they think still they need to do some work. Well. Yeah. But that's what I, you know, that's what I love. You know, the next day, you know, on Monday, I listened to some of the talk shows around mm-hmm. here. And, well, they should have done, you know, X, Y, and Z of picks. Well, they only had seven picks. Right. I mean, they don't, they didn't have 42 picks. So they can't, you know, they only get one first round pick. So they can't take a quarterback, a wide receiver, <laughs> right. a defensive back, and a safety with the first pick. It's not how, right. it's not how it works. And, you know, I think for the, the capital that they had in this draft, I think that they did a really nice job getting things, you know, adding depth, adding uh, pro- where some of their problem areas were, getting some pieces in there. And it's a process. And mm-hmm. I think they did as well as they could possibly do. And it's not done. They could right. still, there's still some free agents out there. Yep. They still could add, they added the, the safety right after. Uh, that was a nice little signing. Uh, what's I can't um because because yeah I, I, can, I can't say yeah. he started uh, a ton for the Cowboys every yeah. Game, yeah every game last year yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I think he could come in and I think he could give Edmonds a run mm-hmm. for his money honestly yeah well yeah well still though. you could give well yeah you know, but I mean back still, in your day you would have given him everybody but that just shows you everybody signed Edmonds and oh okay well, that Edmonds is going to be the starter and then a week later they signed somebody else Demonte KZ there we go yeah so yeah but yeah I thought it was a productive week for the Steelers. Yeah, I think all in all they did well. Uh, they took another brother in the sixth round, Connor Hayward. People were bashing that one a little bit. I like that pick. He's oh, very I athletic have... for his size. Connor Hayward's a football player. He I mean, is. It, Bottom it just, line. It I mean, just happens to be that his brother plays here. Right. I watched that kid at Michigan State play a couple times. I watched him in the bowl game against Pitt. And uh, I, he brings – I mean, he's obviously – at six feet, he's what role is he's mm-hmm. going to be? That's what he's listed at. I can, yeah. I don't, you could give me a. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I, I kind of, he's like five foot six. All right, well that's fine. But I'm just telling you, he's listed at six foot. So, um, I mean, I, I don't know what role he's going to be. Is he going to be a fullback? Is he going to be an H back? Is he going to be a tight end? Well, I tell you, what he's going to do initially is play special teams. Yeah. He's, a, yeah, he's, he's a football I mean, player. Yeah, There's nothing exactly. wrong with adding football players. Guys that are going to get dirty. Mm-hmm. Guys are going to do whatever you ask. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And you don't think his brother's going to keep him in line? Ah, I mean, absolutely. Cam's the one guy that epitomizes the quote-unquote stealer way, whatever's left of it. But um, So you know Connor's going to come in in shape, ready to play, ready to compete, do what he needs to do. Yeah. So, all right. So, we, Michael, you started to touch. I just want to spend a few minutes talking about – and everybody loves playing this game after the draft. But who do you thought did well – you know, nailed the draft, some question marks. I'll lead off. I mean, that trade – the Cardinals 
Hollywood Brown. And you're talking about winners and losers. No, oh, yeah, like, Lose, that's the ultimate loser uh, right yeah, there. I mean, Arizona, what? Arizona did. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins got suspended right, six, six games. games. For, so they knew that, for pets. obviously, and so they. But I mean, I they mean, reached they, here for a guy. They that did. I just, I mean, yeah, are you I, me? they I, I have Arizona on my draft losers. I mean, yeah, I, I, that 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 trade to me made absolutely no sense. And you know you want to talk about winners, Baltimore. Obviously, oh, they always win. Uh, they they do they, a really good job win. of drafting every mm-hmm. year. Um, my draft winner for me is Philadelphia. I mean, they moved up to get Jordan mm-hmm. Davis, then they traded for AJ yeah. Brown, so mm-hmm. they got one of the best wide receivers in football to go along with. Uh, no, he's worth the first round pick. Well, he, yeah, oh, he's by, by far worth yeah. the first round pick. You know, they got the, the they they revamped their offensive line. They got Cam Jurgens from mm-hmm. Nebraska, the center, right. and then they get Nakobe Dean in the third round. Right. I the, and I didn't see any pundit that didn't have him as a first right. round grade. Mm-hmm. I mean, the problem was is the uh, the, the peck. Um, he didn't work out. He mm-hmm. didn't work out at the combine. He didn't do a pro day. Um, so he kept dropping, and I'm thinking, well, somebody's got to take this guy. At mm-hmm. some point, I'm thinking in the second round, every pick that came up, I'm thinking nobody's taking this yeah. guy. So I thought Philadelphia did a great job of, of, mm-hmm. of drafting. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the Jets, they got Sauce Gardner. Uh, they picked up Garrett Wilson. Sauce. How about what he was wearing at the draft? we got to take a second to acknowledge that. <laughs> I mean, who can pull that off? Uh, well, he got a sauce bottle, yeah, you know, yeah, all blinged up. Yeah, and, and the big could, chain. He couldn't find his way out of the green room, which kind of kind of scared me a little bit, <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. when you're trying to cover wide receivers. Yeah, went, if you yeah, can't, right. can't figure out how well, to, I get think out he was of the running away from playing for the Jets. But you know. and, and then they they moved back up. They traded with Tampa with the 27th right. pick and got Jermaine Johnson, who could have been a top 10 pick. Everybody right. thought this was the best pass rushing mm-hmm. outside linebacker slash defensive end. they got him 27th. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And then mm-hmm. they come back with the pick in the second round, the second pick, and take Brees Hall, the best running Anybody. back in the draft. And we know running backs are devalued mm-hmm. now, right? So they don't go in the first round anymore. Very rarely. Right. right. This kid's explosive. So I thought the Jets did a great job. Tommy, your thoughts? Anything else to add to, to what Michael mentioned there? Just the Nakobe Dean thing was crazy to watch. I mean, I was reading on social media, and the NFL insiders were saying that this could be because of the pec injury. They were talking about it being a redshirt year that maybe he wouldn't be able to play all year. And then after he was drafted, he's interviewed, and he said, yeah, I'll be at uh, rookie minicamp this weekend or next weekend right. or whatever. It really was a strange draft with – you know, guys that were slotted, they were guaranteed to be first-round picks. I mean, Christ, Malik Willis was at the draft. Right. Yep. And he didn't go until the third round. I've right. never seen nothing like that, you <laughs> yeah. know. And the same thing with, uh, I think, Nicobe Dean was there too, wasn't he? No, no he didn't, he he didn't go. go to the draft. No, Who was no. the guy with the with the uh, New Jack City hat on? What, that guy, what was his name? Uh, <laughs> oh, who was that? He didn't go. He, was a, he, he uh, sat around forever yeah. too. Yeah, I, I can't think of the guy. But, uh, so many outfits were. But yeah, yeah. But he uh, he was. It just it was just a weird draft. Guys mm-hmm. falling, and you know, then the All Rams the trades. Making, you couldn't the, keep up. The guy that uh, the New England took in the first round. That uh, that oh offensive the, the lineman. offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah, I can't even remember. Tennessee Chattanooga. Yeah, that, the Rams were on a yeah. live thing, live video, no, making laughing because they're like, oh, we had him. We were going to take him with our first pick in the fourth round, and the yeah. Patriots took him. Rams mean, had like two picks. They yeah. only had two people right. in their war room. They don't, they, <laughs> yeah. don't, they don't value picks. But it just shows you, the, you know, Crazy. We, we talk, how many times we talked about it and all these people that do this for a living and the mock drafts. And, and there was 19 trades right. in the just, first round. Yeah, just yeah. how wrong, you know, yeah, even, I, you just you, don't they know. still get it. You spend all this time. And see, the thing about N'Kobe Dean, that whole situation that bothers me, and I talked about this in our lead-up to the draft, NFL teams put way too much stock in in the pre-draft workouts, right? Watch the watch the goddamn film of this guy. 
Yeah, right. I mean, I mean you, you put the tape on in the COVID, and I'm sure people had them in for visits. I mean, that's where you do medicals and do all that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, I, I mean, benefited the Steelers the year they got Heath Miller. Right, that's he right. He had a he had a what a broken bone in his mm-hmm. foot or something, something yeah. that wasn't going to be career ending, but people let it slip because yeah. I mean, you don't play. There's not a game for seven months. Yeah, and uh, yeah, crazy. And they, and they just do stupid things, and uh, yeah, so it's it's crazy with with some of the stuff. And but I agree with you that there's a lot more. There's a lot more. Put into football and shorts and recruiting and, and rating players that way. I mean, these guys play football for a long time. I, mm-hmm. I watch the tape, and that's one thing. I, I think the Steelers and the Ravens and those. I think those are why I've always been good drafting teams is because mm-hmm. they they put stock in the tape. Right. Yeah. No, I I I, I think you can put some stock into mm-hmm. the, the combine. Well, yeah, some. And for me, it was guys like Jordan Davis. We knew he was going to be, you know, uh, maybe at the end of the first round, and then he runs some ridiculous forty yard. Right. Uh, yeah, time. Yeah. I don't know what was it four seven, seven eight or yeah. something. Three hundred and sixty some pounds. Um, that moved him up the board a little right. bit because of the athletic ability. You know, uh, Trayvon Walker, another mm-hmm. one, was going to be a first round pick. We didn't think he'd be the first pick in right. the draft before before the combine. So it helps some guys. But yeah, I, I think I think a lot of teams put too much stock into what we see. You know, mm-hmm. guys throwing pass. I mean, watch Kenny's pro day. Well, there's no defense, so he right. should be able to hit an open receiver. They're all open, right? Right. So that, yeah, you're right. I, I totally agree. Too much stock in 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 the uh, the postseason workouts. Okay, so that's it for the draft. We'll continue to talk about Steelers offseason, obviously, as as news breaks and the rookie mini camps coming up next weekend or this weekend. Next weekend. Next uh, third. No, I think it is this week. This weekend. I think it is this weekend. So we'll have you know some stuff to talk about next week. I'm sure some news will come out of that, and um, so much more to come on the Steelers offseason as we move forward with the podcast. But for now, let's talk about the NHL playoffs and the Penguins. Game one, unbelievable. So many storylines in that game. Tommy, you and I were talking a little bit before we went on air here. I mean, there's so many. Take your pick. You know, for me, and then I'm going to turn it over to you to give your take on the game, but. For me, the difference in that game was the Penguins' experience. The Rangers came out guns a-blazing in the first period and laid everything out. I mean, you want to talk about emptying the tanks. They emptied their tank in the first period. I'm surprised they were even able to to hang with the the Penguins the rest of the way. But they weren't the same team after the first period. I think what we saw in the second and third period in overtime and double overtime is what we're going to see the rest of the way, at least I hope so. Uh, But, yeah, Penguins' experience paid off for sure, big time. Yeah, it was – it was, uh, you know, you and I talked and you know, after the first period, you know, they were only down one nothing, which was a minor miracle at the time. But <laughs> it felt like we had seen this before. You know, like, this is what it looked like playing the Rangers. They were The Penguins were getting smothered. Mm. They weren't getting shots. They didn't have a shot for the first eight minutes of the game. Um, I, I thought in the last five minutes they, they sort of caught their balance a little mm. bit and they come out and Rangers get a 2 nothing lead. But the Rangers have done, you know, what so many teams over these over the Crosby, Malkin, Latang era is, you know, they came out and they tried to run them out of the building. They tried to just hit them at every, you know, you guys like Lafreniere, who's, you know, is a, I mean, he's a borderline, you know, top six winger that mm-hmm. shouldn't be, you know, that should be just playing the game. He's out running people and Ryan Reeves taking. Yeah, I mean, doing what he does yeah. best. But uh, you know, and it for whatever reason, the Penguins when they just play hockey, when they when they take the hits and they mm-hmm. keep going, that's what they did in sixteen and seventeen. You know, and it was maddening as a fan because you know I want blood. You know, I see Marino get run, and you know I want somebody to to go out there and, and then Raquel gets laid out. 
Um, and no suspension for that, by the nothing, way, I guess. No, and I, I actually sent a message to Josh Owey because I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss it. Yep. I mean, the guy didn't even get fined. And it was funny, you know, I'm watching the games the next last night, um, and uh, there was a couple hits in Carolina, Boston, mm-hmm. and I'm listening to the, the so-called referee expert that pops in. He goes, you know, oh, he, he didn't. The guy hit, didn't leave his skates. Hit him in in the middle of the chest. It was a clean hit. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, that's the opposite of what happened right. on the Raquel hit. Yeah, the guy yeah. left his feet. Mm-hmm. He, Raquel was engaged with another player. This guy came over, left his feet, hit him. In my my opinion, the shoulder was the or the head was the point of contact. The chin, the chin, on which is as we know, the worst place you can get hit and in of terms course, of concussion. In this stupid league that the NHL is, Raquel was hurt, and that right. bears weight on usually mm-hmm. a suspension. I am just floored that there wasn't even a, a fine on that. But it's the NHL, and that's, you know. Garage league. Best game, worst league. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, I really thought that the Penguins weathered the storm like they needed to, and I was pleasant to see that, you know, Crosby, it was what we what we talked mm-hmm. about. You know, it was going to be, well, Crosby and it was Crosby's line, be able to carry them, which they did. Crosby's, Crosby and Gensel got them back to even. And then the the spare parts, the finally, the the guys like Kapanen mm-hmm. and and Marino, you know, woke up and you know whether it was the concussions from them getting drilled into right, the board right, so many right, times yeah. or or what it was that the the the, the extra pieces is the part that mm-hmm. carried it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is about the Penguins, but you know when they they're down a forward, so they only have eleven forwards in a game like that. They just seem to get better as the game goes along, and then the epic. You know, losing a goalie and double mm-hmm. overtime, and you know, I the said spicy that, pork and broccoli, yeah, baby. I said to myself, as soon as that happened, I said they're going to win this freaking game. Mm-hmm. This is what they do. This is <laughs> yeah. this is the Penguins. If you've been watching them at all, these are the stories that seem to only happen to the Penguins. That you know, a right. backup goalie he, who admittedly wasn't even watching the game, <laughs> he was over there, you know, looking <laughs> in the around, runway, yeah. you know, probably on his phone, sitting in a folding chair over in the corner. And all of a sudden, you know, what a great interview after the game. He's like, you know, <laughs> I knew the linesmen. They're both French. You know, they're French Canadians like me. And he came over. He said, I, I thought they were messing with me. I thought they were just joking with me. I had to get in the game. Like, what do you mean I have to get in the game? You know? And then he's, yeah, like you said, he's <laughs> eating spicy broccoli. Bro- spicy so pork and broccoli. broccoli. That can't be good. <laughs> but I can't even yeah. Yeah. Just watching a game, let alone happen, there's a chance you're going to play. That right. might happen. You know, then he comes on. And you can see him in, the, in his mask. You know, he gets a shot right Right away, and he's smiling and stuff like that. And, and the Penguins, after the first twenty-five minutes or so of the game, they dominated. I mean, Crosby and, and Crosby's line, the, the shots for and against were thirty-one to two. Yeah. Crosby's line to mm-hmm. his line had thirty-one shots. The line that was out against them had two, two shots. shots. I mean, that's ridiculous. They dominated. They thoroughly dominated. Finally, we saw that Gensel rose up to the level playoff Jake. And played phenomenal. And he and other, all of them. Gensel yeah. got run early yeah. on in the mm-hmm. game, and and it just it, when the Penguins don't retaliate and they don't start chasing it and they just stick to their game and play, play the their game. system, play the game. You know they, they, that's when they're at their best. And my question, I mean, you know, this is an older Penguins team. Mm-hmm. I agree with you that the Rangers are young and inexperienced. They came out running, and you know we've all been there. You're excited for something, right. you get out, you're running around or doing something, then after ten minutes, you're like. Oh. You're how gassed. Much, how much longer do I got to do this for? And uh, so we'll see. The Penguins are an older team. I, I'm curious to see what tonight looks like. I was shocked and pleasantly surprised to see that um, yesterday was an optional skate and almost the whole team was there skating mm-hmm. after, you know, you play basically two, two games right. in one night. 
Um, that shows me that they've got uh, they've got a little fire in their belly, and uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I think Deming Deming's going to be in for game two, and I think he's going to be in for the next little bit. And uh, I, I think the, I think that will rally them. That gives them mm-hmm. something to get past. Right. And this was they weren't going to. I thought the Penguins needed this game before the game started. I thought that they needed to. They had lost. I believe it was four opening round games um, in a row since the since the, since they got ousted the last time. The Rangers have owned them. Their playoffs, they've, they've lost 15 of their last 19 playoff mm-hmm. games or something like that. They needed that mentally. And then once you get into a game like that, six periods, the battle mm-hmm. and stuff like that, you know, it's a mental thing. They uh, The Penguins needed that game. I'm not saying it's over. But for the Penguins to win this series, they needed to win Game One, so that was a good start. Yeah. Well, how about how about the Rangers' mindset? Right, I mean, you you come out and get a lead, and then mm-hmm. you lose the lead, and then you lose in three overtimes, mm-hmm. and then what, what's your mindset going into Game Two after you you know you thought you were the you're the dominant team, and mm-hmm. then the Penguins come in and basically what they get twenty five shots on goal in, in the, the second, second period. period. Yeah. I mean, it was. It Set was a crazy. Record. I mean, yeah, I, I actually record. watched some of it. I was like, holy crap, this isn't the team you guys have been talking right. about for the last 12 weeks. We haven't seen that team. That, that was very evident. I mean, once the second period started, this was the Penguin team, Tommy, that we saw December, January, February. And to your point, there was no Geno playing then. And everybody, when Geno comes back, no, finally they played their game with all of their superstars in tow. And I thought that was the difference in the game. And if they play that way, they're going to be a very tough out. We just haven't seen that since February. Yeah, and, you know, obviously, you know, I I, I like Deming. We talked about it mm-hmm. leading up to this, and I thought Deming was a realistic possibility if DeSmith struggled. Um, I think he's a good goaltender, but this is you're asking a lot to win a series where you're the underdog, your third-string goalie is going against the best goalie mm-hmm. in the league. I mean, you're asking a lot. Tonight is going to be the, – the key to tonight is going to be the first 10 minutes again – because you're playing in New York, yep. and you can turn that crowd on the Rangers just like you can. Any mm-hmm. New York home team knows that uh, those fans will turn on you. And I think that if the Penguins could come out and get a push again, maybe get an early goal, I think you'll have mm-hmm. the young Rangers talking to themselves. I think you'll have the fans in there, you know, starting right. to murmur and boo and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And uh, I think they can really, you know, really take a stranglehold of this uh, of this series tonight. So I agree. But either way, they had to get a split. Come home one one. So I mean, worst case scenario, they've already accomplished their goal. So even if they lose tonight, they're coming home one one. They've got home ice advantage now. Um, it's a, it was you really couldn't ask for much more other than the injuries. You know, they, they can't take many more injuries. Looks like Zucker's going to play tonight. So that's a sort of an even trade. See how long for, he stays on the ice. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I Feel wouldn't let him. Yeah, I wouldn't even have him put his skates on or touch a stick until it's time to drop the puck because he might get hurt lacing them. Right. Um, but you know, I, I would. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens tonight. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's uh, it's a good start. It's a real good start. Absolutely. And before we move to the NBA playoffs, Michael, just one may a call on my part. I've been very very hard on Chris Letang. Uh, yes, you take the good and the bad with him. But holy cow! I mean, he played what forty five minutes Tuesday night. Forty five minutes he was on the ice. For those of you that never played hockey. Trying to play an NHL game and being out on the ice for 45 minutes, that's like superhuman shit. I mean, that's insane. And not just being on the ice or skating for that long, but the, the way that he has to play. He's a defenseman. Right. You know, he's he's taking checks. He's taking hits. You know, he's full speed back mm-hmm. to the puck. I mean, you know, the, the, to get the puck up and bring it up the ice. I mean, 
those are hard, hard minutes. And 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 as far as Mia Culpas go too, with with, with Hugh and Latang, I thought Sullivan, I thought Sullivan coached a better game. And mm-hmm. I don't, I, I'm not sure um, if it was something that that they had planned or if this was during the game, but. Um, I thought the defense and the way that they their style of game the Penguins was much more uh, to their to their style. They were they weren't chasing the puck. Mm-hmm. Rurita wasn't behind the net pinching because that's what the system says. They were smart with their dumps. You know they were they weren't just dumping them so Shostarkin could get them and throw them right back out. Um, they played the game smarter. It was a smarter system, mm-hmm. and it's the kind of system you need. To adapt to play against a team where the Rangers, where they're not the fastest team, any the Penguins aren't the fastest team on the ice. So I'll give Sullivan credit. I was glad to see the adjustment, mm-hmm. um, and I hope that that continues. If if they need to make adjustments in the lineup, I still would like to see O'Connor in the lineup. Makes two of us. Um, and I still would like to see Nathan Bellew, who they mm-hmm. activated today um, from the defense. He's the one physical presence back there um, that I wouldn't mind seeing. But uh, I, I give Sullivan credit for the first game, and I hope that uh, that continues to go as we as we go. So game two tonight, Thursday, and uh, we'll game see what happens. Game three on Saturday, Saturday every other night. So we're, we're, we might have three games in total four, four, right. before we we're back, back right. on the air. Technically, yeah. this series, series could, could be over. Could, let's could hope. Be. Yeah, let's hope. It's uh, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, okay, uh, and we'll talk more about the Penguins. Uh, huge game tonight. We'll see what happens uh, between now and next week. We're back with the podcast. Michael mentioned NBA playoffs. Uh, amazing. It continues. Great games. The stars are, are really coming out. And even some role players that we've been talking about. So what do we have for the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, you know where I'm going to start. I mean, if mm-hmm. you're listening to this podcast, then you, you know you know who my guy is. And it's, yep. it's Ja Morant. I mean, it, that that's my guy. And I, you know, I'm going to keep beating a dead horse. If you haven't seen him play, take some time uh, to watch mm-hmm. this kid play. Uh, game two the other night against uh, Golden State, he scores 47. Yeah, I mean, the, the I mean, in that series between Golden State, I think Golden State's going to win the series. I mean, listen, I think it's what we were just talking about with Penguins and Rangers. I think Golden right. State's experience is right. going to pay off. The experience is so different. That they're so young. They, they're average. Uh, 24 years yeah. old. I mean, that's during. If you take Stephen Adams off that team, I mm-hmm. think it's even younger than that. So they got a lot of young guys on that team. They win game two, 106, 101. Golden State goes seven for 37 from three right. point range. I mean, that's not going to happen mm-hmm. in game three or four. And Memphis still almost lost that game. Now they lost game one, one 118, yeah. 117. And, you know, they talk about John Morant was actually named um, NBA most improved player. I don't like Draymond Green. I think he's a jackass. But I think he's right. Jordan Poole's the most improved player in the NBA. In game one, he has 31. So you you spread the floor with those shooters that they got, Clay Thompson. Now, they weren't hitting last, mm. the other night. But they're going to start hitting. I think this series, if Memphis is lucky, it will go six. Uh, Phoenix and Dallas, I mean, what can you say exactly. about Luka Doncic, right? He's a one-man band. Mm. Uh, he scores 45 and then 37. They lose both games. Uh, he just doesn't have enough help around him. Chris Paul, Mr. Font, the youth, mm-hmm. 37 um, yeah. years old. I mean, you know, uh, what was he, the one game, 14 of 14? For, that was in the last series. Uh, the other night, I mean, he, he him, Devin Booker, uh, DeAndre Ayton, uh, all their role players, Jay Crowder, um, mm-hmm. Cam Johnson, um, they, got, they, they got the most complete team in the NBA playoffs. That's the Western Conference. That series is 2-0. Phoenix is up on Dallas. It's going back to Dallas. That should be over in five, I think. I agree. Uh, Now we go to the Eastern Conference playoffs. 
You got Philadelphia and Miami. Joel Embiid with the the, the broken orbital bone and the, and the right. um, concussion. He, they say he could play in Game Three. Right. Watching the game last night, um, you know, Miami. Obviously, you know they got Bam out of bio. Um, obviously, Jimmy Butler, right? But when they get contributions from guys like Tyler Hero, who scored twenty five the other night. And Victor Oladipo, somebody dusted right. him off, and I, I didn't even know he was still in the league until about right. five weeks ago. If they get contributions out of those two guys plus the guys, mm-hmm. you know, Jimmy Butler and Adebayo, um, I don't care if MB comes back or not. I don't think Philadelphia's roster to me is disjointed. And I said mm-hmm. I didn't like the James Harden right. trade. Yep. And I said I thought Toronto was going to win that mm-hmm. first-round right. series, and they wind up not playing well. Um, and Beatle help. Miami pounded them on the boards last night. I mean, Philadelphia actually played half-decent defense, but, you know, Miami was getting two and three possessions on, on the same, you know, on the same side of the floor. It, it, I, I think Miami's just too good for them. That should be over in four. And then you got Boston and Milwaukee. Um, you know, Milwaukee did what they had to do. They win one game in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, and Boston comes back and wins game two. I think uh, Jalen Brown had 30 mm-hmm. and Tatum had 29. Their, their stars were stars. Uh, Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year, didn't even play in game two. But the concerning part for me with Milwaukee, and I picked them to go to the finals against Phoenix, the concerning part is, yeah, Giannis, is, he's averaging 27 through two games, but he has he has 11 turnovers in two games. And one game, for game one, even though they won, he went 9 of 25 from the right. field. And in game two, he went 11 of 27. Um that's not going to be a recipe for them winning. He needs to be more efficient with his shots, and he needs to get to the basket more. But I credit Boston's defense, the best defensive team in the NBA. So um, these playoffs are heating up, and, you know, they're one round ahead of where the hockey is because obviously uh, hockey started later because of the Olympics. So um, stay tuned. Next week we'll have some more info on it. But if you haven't seen John Morant play, you got to watch him. Now, Michael, since you are our basketball expert, expert, you, know, you say John Moran had 47 points. Would you say that uh, I had 47 points in my basketball career? Mm, I, I'm going to have to think long and hard about that. That's probably that, – that's, that's a hard no. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. You might have had 47 fouls in a game. <laughs> I was um, protecting you. Yeah, I, I always yeah, was protecting yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I was your Ryan Reeves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always your enforcer. Yeah, I, I always went to your side for a pick. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> that, we tried to keep the ball out of your hands on most cases. But, what yeah. Was that, what was that Jim and Shady side that we played at at, at, at CYO? Was that Jewish the, Community Center. No, no, no. The one next to the big church down there. Right, and, right uh, next to Sacred Heart. Yeah, what's that? The one? Armory. It was, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. yeah. What is that? Was that Sacred Hearts Gym? I think. Yeah. Remember mm-hmm. when we played there? See, wow, I was raining threes and walk. I was shooting them. Walk. It was the it, only it, game of my life yeah. where I was literally. And my yeah. raining, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean I, yeah, that was like a light drizzle. I think you I mean, hit. It was, <laughs> I think you hit two or three. You banked one in. But I, but I, but I, like, I, yeah. I cockied my way away from it too. But yeah, that was that was literally it was my best basketball. To say game you ever scored forty seven points total, I, I don't. I, but I might have had nine that night. Right. I mean, I played a lot of basketball with you, so I mean, I feel like <laughs> there's still there's still a lot of points on the board there. I, I, I'm pretty sure. No, I I can't believe I'm talking about John Morant and your basketball skills. In it the still, same it sense. felt like a natural combination. It really, yeah, it, it, it really flowed felt, right into the yeah, conversation. Yeah, I'm really pretty did. I'm pretty sure forty seven. That's a high number for you. <laughs> Well, that's nine more points than I ever had playing basketball. So kudos to you for that, Tommy. Thank you. I tip my cap to you. Congratulations on my success. Exactly. Yes. 
All right, so now uh, let's move on to what has become a, a staple of ours on ABC, ABC on Pittsburgh Sports. Fact or fiction? If you've missed the last two, first of all, shame on you. Go listen to them, get caught up because these fact or fiction, we do rapid fire, make statement, fact or fiction, and then we throw a little why we think that behind it. So this week we're going to do a, a Pitt Panther theme to start. And unfortunately, uh, the news around Pitt hasn't been good. It's all about transfers uh, in terms of the football team and Jordan Addison, of course. So a couple fact and fiction around Jordan Addison. Will Jordan Addison, fact or fiction, end up back at Pitt? Uh, that's fiction. I, I I don't know if he's going to end up at USC just because of the shit storm. I've heard they yeah they've shot away from yeah it because I, I, of all and the they probably negativity. should because uh, the tampering thing right. just the way it went on. Now if Addison would was already in the transfer portal. Yeah, then yeah. And let's to, clear something up for all you out there that still think this was about you know Pitt fans complaining. It's about the money and the kids should be able to fall. It has nothing to do with money. It's about the process, and the process was not followed. It's very simple. You got to put your name in the portal before schools can contact you. Now, are we naive to think that doesn't happen? Maybe, but that's why Pitt fans are upset. It's we're hearing about all this stuff before his name was even in the portal. Yeah, I, I, I don't think even at this point he could even come back here. Uh, so I would have to say that that's fiction. I, I mean, I would love to see him come back, but at this point, that's going to be a that's going to be a hard sell. So he's he's going to wind up somewhere else, but it won't be Pitt. Yeah, I think it's fiction, too. I actually think he's going to wind up at Texas with uh, Marion, hmm. his old wide receiver coach. But don't even be started on that guy. But, I know, yeah. but I'm just saying. I think that uh, I agree that I think the spotlight's too hot on USC now. So I think that probably, although, you know, it's college football. It's as slimy as it is. Mm-hmm. So um, if something else happens in college football and takes the spotlight right. off it, then you might see Addison sneak into USC. But, yeah, I think it's fiction. I think his time here is done. I agree. Unfortunately, I would say it's fiction as well. I, I think he's going to end up in Alabama. Um, I, I think they add yet another piece to the arsenal they have down there. Um, and just to, like I said, to clear some stuff up, first of all, I have no ill will towards Addison. From what I can gather from my sources, from the people at Pitt, uh, this was all about what he thought was you know, certainty with the new offense. And there was a lack of it on his part. And I'm not going to go into too many details, but I think he felt with the new OC, with the new wide receiver coach, a new quarterback this year, he wanted a little more certainty. And so I'm not going to fault the kid. I mean, he, if he wants to go out with a bang, and he felt like Pitt may not be the spot this year because of all the uncertainty surrounding the offense. So the only thing, you know, I'll, the only thing I'll say about that, it's a kid, you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's a kid now that could be making millions in NIL right. money. So that's, you know, right. I hear you. stay yeah. off college kids because they're amateur kind of thing goes out the window. But. You know, this was talked about early in the offseason that he was going to be. Well, the whole Texas thing going, came up because of Marion. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, he came out with this thing about, you know, whatever Instagram or mm-hmm. snaps, whatever that they, they post this stuff on and said, you know, I'm, I'm a pit guy 100%. Yeah. I'm going to be here. I love it here. All that kind of stuff. Good point. Don't tell me that. And then two months mm-hmm. later, the day, the literally the last second that you could go into the portal. So even if Pitt wanted to do something to try to, you know, potentially replace him or, or do whatever, you can't do yeah. it. That's the crap that I got, you know. Yeah. I got no, no, fair. I got That's no, very fair. I got no patience for mm-hmm. it. You know, you're going to act like a pro. There's many sides. Get, and that's one of good ones, yes. like a pro. So that's the part that I don't like. Now, on the flip side, basketball team that was previously referred to as Fight Club on our podcast, and go back and listen to it if you don't know what the hell we're talking about. 
But Fight Club, we're going to say their name now, Pitt men's basketball team. They picked up some transfers you this offseason. You can say it. I'm not saying okay, it. Okay, you don't have to, but I'll say it. it. They picked up some transfers. Nelly Cummings from Colgate, I really like. Local kid coming back home. I think he's going to be a really good point guard. I think we saw that at Colgate, uh, and he's playing against upper-level competition when he was at Colgate. Um, they played some games against Power 5 well, schools, he and he held his own. So I like that. And then this week we hear that um, they picked up two very tall kids, um, the Diaz-Graham brothers, 6'11", 6'10". I don't know what their skill level is, and one of them can shoot very well, I hear, for a big man. Um but at the end of the day, hey, they're 6'10 and 6'11. And Pitt certainly needs more guys that size. Michael? I Listen, this team, if this is fact or fiction, I mean. It's, it, oh, the fact or fiction, this team will win 16 games this year. Wow. With the transfers, um, with the returnees, they have Hughley, Sabandi's back. Jamarius Horton. I watched him. Or video. Burton, excuse me. Jamarius Burton. I combined two players there. My bad. Um, <laughs> You can do that with Pitt uh, basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this team. 16 games, fact or fiction. <laughs> I would say, oh, 16. That's a good number. You, you, what, yeah, is this the yeah. Vegas line? <laughs> um, I, I'm going to say fact. Okay. Uh, and that would put them at, what, 16 and 14 mm-hmm. if it's a 30-game schedule. Um, Ugly looked like he lost some more weight. He looks more explosive. If, if he – Gets better than he was last year. I mean, obviously he got better. What was freshman year was partially derailed because he was, you know, stole a car. But I mean, (laughs) it's neither here nor there. But um, if he continues to get better, uh, I think Pitt can win 16 games. They got Nike Sabandi Mm -hmm. coming back, which he at the end of uh, 2020. 2020. He was playing really, really well. And yeah, yeah, the 1920. Yeah, I know all the seasons are running into one. Yeah, I, I think 16. You hit it right on the line. I think they're going to win 16 games. So I'll say fact. Okay. Man, I'm kind of rolling Tommy, my eyes when I say it. I'll say fiction if it's 16 wins in 30 games. I'll say it's probably fiction if it's 16 games out of 50. And I'll say fact if it's 16 games out of 100. I think I like their chances that they could win 16 Oof. out of the next 100. Oof. But I have no faith in that program whatsoever. They should have got rid of Capel this year. They didn't because of the buyout from everything that I've read and heard. So I'm going to say fiction. There's no chance in a 30-game season they win 16. All right, and we forgot one more. Going back to Addison, it's my bad. I can't read my own handwriting. But anyway, back to Addison. Fact or fiction? Kanata Mumfield, the transfer pick got from Akron, sorry, Joe, um, will have more yards receiving this year than Jordan Addison. That, that, that's fiction. Uh, I, Addison's he, he, he if he goes to Alabama or he winds up at Texas if he winds up with one of these big schools uh, even if he goes to USC it, it, it's it's going to be fiction I, I I like Mumfield um, but he was at Akron for a reason um, now not to say we've talked about players getting right. better and he's mm-hmm. gotten better but I don't think he's on Addison's level so I, I think Addison's going to have a better year no matter where he ends up than Mumfield I will say fact and the reason is uh, in my opinion that. Much like myself, I think Pat Narduzzi is a very spiteful mm-hmm. fella. <laughs> I think that <laughs> yes, Pat Narduzzi will watch <laughs> the stats and try to figure out a way for, for him to have more, more yards. And he will than, tweet about than week to week how many yards Mumfield absolutely has in a very passive-aggressive way. Not let this go. <laughs> so one thing that him and I agree, much like me and Jay Morant with basketball, are very similar. 
me and, and Coach Narduzzi are very similar in the fact that we are both very spiteful. And if it was me, I would be watching every yard that Addison has and figuring out a way for Mild to get more just to be a prick. So I would say I love that. that. I, don't, I mean, I don't even know if I want to say anything after that. That was beautiful. Um, I'm going to say fact as well, but I'm teetering a little bit because that's the one good thing. Even with Addison gone, now, are they going to be used? Of course not. Addison's the best wide receiver in college football. But Pitt still has Mumfield, Jared Wayne, Jaden Bradley. They have uh, Barden, and they, uh, they have the speedster coming in from Texas, Shane Nawabko, who's like world-class speed. Um, so I think it's going to be fact. I think Mumfield will be the number one target, and he's going to pile up some yards. But I'm teetering a little bit because – there's and so they have Bartholomew, too. And he had his coming up party last year. There's a ton of weapons still, even without Addison. So that ball may get spread around a little bit. And I think they have four very, very good running backs. Uh, and and to, there's only one ball. So these guys, I don't think – but I agree with you. <laughs> I think Narduzzi's going to do whatever he can to stick it up Addison's, Addison's ass um, in the, whatever team he ends up going to. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. All right, back to uh, fact or fiction. Back to former Pitt player, and we talked about the draft early on. We didn't talk about this yet. Fact or fiction, Kenny Pickett will be the Pittsburgh Steelers starter come the first game of the regular season. Uh, that's fact. I mean, I, I yep. you, you don't draft a guy with the 20th pick in the NFL draft to have him sit behind Mitchell Trubisky. Nothing against – well, no, there is something against yeah. Mitchell Trubisky. He sucks. <laughs> he sucked the entire time he's been in the league, and he's right. probably going to continue to suck. We don't know what Kenny had. Now, Kenny would actually have to actually fall flat on his freaking face yep. not to get the starting job over this clown. I mean, this guy, Trubisky, is, that was like the safety net. Like, if they had to go into this season with Mitchell Trubisky. And they paid him backup money. We they, talked about they did. that. Yeah, they didn't give him a ton of money, and there's a way to get out of it after one year, right. isn't there? So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think it's fact that Kenny definitely will be the starter week one. I'll say fiction. Um, I think Trubisky starts because that's the Steeler way. I think that uh, they don't. They're not. I just don't see them starting a rookie quarterback, even one as experienced as Kenny. Um, my prediction, without seeing the schedule, is if the bye winds up being around week seven, eight, or nine, that I wouldn't be surprised if Trubisky starts and Pickett's a starter coming out of the bye. So that's my prediction. I would say hey, false. I'm going to say fact. I'm going to. He is the starter week one. Michael, I agree. They, he was the 20th pick overall for a reason, and he's not a young. He's not a, like Steelers, like 20, 21 year old kid. This is a guy who's been around, who's has a ton a of experience. Of he's played a ton of ball, and I think, like you said, he's going to have to fall on his face in training camp for Trubisky to be the starter uh, come week one. Also, speaking of the draft, all seven draft picks will make the squad. Fact or fiction, Tommy? I'm going to say. Oof, that's a tough one. I'll say fact. I think um, the only question mark would be the quarterback if they can't do something with Rudolph. Um, I, there's no way I don't. They can talk lip service about all three of them being the, the starters um, or being a competitive competition for the starter. I mean Rudolph. I mean he's got as much chance to start as me, Jay Morant, or Spiteful <laughs> Pat Narduzzi in this in this quarterback. It's Jaw Morant. Whatever his name is. Uh, Jack off. So. Uh, <laughs> What's it? Isn't it J A? Is that his it's name? Jaw. Well, how's that not J? J A. I'm literally saying the two letters. It's in the what? It's the short A, right? Jaw. Jaw. Instead yeah, of the long. Get back to your point. J. I don't even know what my point was. Stop, I you interrupted stop, me. Stop referencing basketball players. 
You don't hear me reference <laughs> hockey players. That's all I got. I got Jay Morant. Jaw. Like, what jaw Morant? Whatever. Well, then how come it's not Morant in the back? <laughs> <laughs> He's not French Canadian. If he was a hockey player, it would be what Morant. That was my point. I don't think the hell knows. Seven starters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the quarterback. Uh, yeah. Mason I think, Rudolph. I think the quarterback has a chance to be the third guy. Mm-hmm. They dump Rudolph in some form or fashion, unless there's an injury with one of those two, with the first two. But I, yes, I think all the draft picks will stick. Yeah, I think that's fact too. I, I, I think in today's in, in today's football, the premium on the players that you bring in through mm-hmm. the draft usually, obviously, the draft shorter than it used to be. It used to be twelve rounds back then. You know, guys didn't make mm-hmm. teams. Now they give guys that you know don't get drafted in the top seven rounds a chance to sign with a team that they fit with. So I think. All seven of the Steeler draft picks will make the team, even that midget tight end they took from Michigan State. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We're on a roll today. Uh, I, I say fact. I, I think uh, Oladukun, or however you pronounce his name, I apologize, Chris, if I butchered your last name. Apologize to his parents. Apologize to his parents, yes. Oladuk, 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 if he makes the team, yeah. yeah, that's what I like. Yeah. That's um, my strategy. Look, they went out there for his pro day. They had him in for a visit. They really like this kid. I think he makes it. Mason doesn't have a chance in hell of being on this team. He's going to go. Chris, I'm not even going to say try his last name. Chris will be the number three quarterback on this squad. And if they need to, they'll pick up another veteran along the way. There's plenty of guys out there. You can so I want to say size, anything. He's not six foot tall. Yeah, I'm just for the record of everyone, I'm pulling up yeah. Connor Hayward's thing, and it says he's six foot Is tall. Is he in a prom dress and heels? I'm just telling you. I mean, there may or may not. I've be heard. A, I've heard six feet. There ticket. may or may not be a 1991 Central Catholic football program that says I'm five eleven. Yeah. There. So I mean, you know. that guy's five six. I don't care what. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shit. All right, let's end it with the way we always do our rants. I, I'm going to start us off because Go I've ahead. been holding this in. We haven't talked about the Pirates today. There's a reason. There's no. I mean, whatever. They're starting to slide. But I'm going to. Can we stop with these lineups? Yesterday's line. So Wednesday's lineup. Day, uh, game one. Are you kidding me? I mean, I don't know even know what else to say. Cole Tucker in the lineup. Van Meter. Andrew Knapp. These are 23, 24, 24, 20, yeah, 25. I'm so fired up I can't even talk. 25-year-old kids. The early part of the season. I don't want to hear about spread. Van, Van Meter is actually 20. Whatever he Knapp is. is 29. Yeah, so whatever. I mean, yeah. Um, but I'm saying these guys are playing instead of – 23, 22, 21, which should be up here, your old kids. Ridiculous. That's a guaranteed loss every time he rolls that lineup out there. I was furious. I called you yesterday. I'm like, what the hell is this? Enough. They can't keep neglecting the major league team. And that anytime he rolls out that lineup, that's what they're doing. I mean, they're basically saying, here you go. And then you add on top of it, the errors in the field, Cole Tucker makes an error, so does Key. He was having a horrible defensive season so far. Four errors already or whatever it is in, in 20-some games, whatever they're playing at this point. I can't think. Um, pathetic. Shame on Charrington. Shame on Shelton. You want people to have interest in your squad when you do this? No. Ridiculous. That's well, my rant. Yeah, you were a little fired up about that. Yeah, I'm going to call I, I, I actually rolled my, my rant for today is I'm, I'm going to stick with baseball. And uh, Mark and I talked about it yesterday on the phone. But, you know, I read an article by Jeff Passan, who mm-hmm. writes for ESPN. Um, and uh, well, Tom's talked about it, right? He's talked about baseball's hard to watch yeah. because the three outcomes, right? Home run, mm-hmm. walk, strikeout. 
Well, now we only have walk and strikeout because they did something to the balls. Everybody has humidors now. So now fly balls are getting like to the warning track. Unless so, you're Aaron Judge. So the, this has been the lowest scoring April in 42 years since the year of the pitcher, or maybe even longer than that. It was at 68, okay. so that's even longer than that. Um, so hitting is extremely hard now. We know that. We have all these pitchers. Starters only go through a lineup twice. If you're lucky, if you're a pirate starter, you only go through it once. <laughs> but, you know, I, my rant is – they need to take the home plate umpire out of calling balls and strikes. These guys can't see the velocity of these yep. balls. I, I don't know if anybody watched Sunday Night Baseball a couple weeks ago. Kyle Schwarber <laughs> lost his ever-living mind. Um, it, the ball was – it had to be 8, 10 inches off the plate. It was not – a hater, I mean, right. throws 98 miles an hour. And no Angel Hernandez, no way seen that ball with that with, with, with the velocity on it. He called it a strike. It, mm-hmm. I mean, you these guys can't even hit strikes, let alone balls that are off the plate. So please go to the – listen, I'm an old-school baseball guy. Get an automated system with the computer calling the balls and strikes. Have them have an earpiece in. And whatever they tell them, it's a, if it's a ball, it's a ball. If it's a strike, it's a strike. They can't argue it anymore. And it's more efficient. But please stop letting these guys call balls and strikes that are in their 60s. I can't even see the goddamn paper when I'm reading it. And, I, you know, I'm not even 50. So, I mean, you know, let, let's go to the automated. Let, let's use the technology, please. Well, I'm going to go back to what we were talking about earlier with college football and the NIL. Uh, mm-hmm. For people that I don't think half the people know what NIL stands for. It's name, image, and likeness deals. And this started from Ed O'Bannon's uh, lawsuit mm-hmm. against the EA NCAA Sports. because mm-hmm. and EA, EA Sports because as a lot of us as kids, we played NCAA football, we played college basketball, and there were you know on on PlayStations or Xboxes or Nintendo 64s, whatever you played on, and you'd have numbers, you know, and it was number 13 pit quarterback. Mm-hmm. You couldn't say Dan Marino, mm-hmm. the, you know, a little further than that, but. You could have the names because they were college athletes and they were amateurs and they couldn't get paid, blah, blah, blah. So Ed O'Bannon rightfully won the right for those things, for those, if they, if they use things like that for you to make money. That's all it was. That's what this whole thing was supposed to be about. And it has, as usual, once the adults get into the room and can figure out a way to screw something up, they've done it. And, you know, they are ruining all of college sports. I mean, for God's sakes, even college hockey. I just saw that uh, one of the Penguin prospects today put in for a transfer portal to trade transfer out of the University of Minnesota, one of the best programs in college hockey to go somewhere else. It is just ruining college sports. You know, I for a long time have collected memorabilia, and one thing I always liked about football players was I would never have them sign their professional helmet. I always had them sign their college helmet because they all went to school for one college, mm-hmm. you know. And when I would hand it to the players, or if I if I met them in person, I got a chance to sign it. They were always proud of their alma mater and it was one of the things that made college football great when you you know when a when a player came into your program you knew as a fan they were going to be there for three or four years you know now i mean there's some of these guys that are transferring out after a new school every year for four years then they go to the nfl and play i mean they wind up playing for eight teams in eight years i mean it's absolutely ruining the 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 the, the whole purpose behind this lawsuit that ed o'bannon won if you're in a video game and they're using your likeness or using your using your number, then yeah, you should be able to make money. If you go to Heinz Field mm-hmm. and there's a Kenny Pickett jersey for sale in there, Kenny Pickett should be able to make money off of that jersey because it's his name that they're selling. But this stuff where, you know, the back the shady deals and Jordan Addison's just the one that we know because it's there. But there are so many shady NIL deals going on. 
that uh, is just another nail in the coffin of what used to be college sports and the amateurness that it was. It, it's just headed down a, a slope that I just don't know that they're going to be able to come out of. Mm-hmm. No, great point, uh, Tommy, and I couldn't agree more with everything you said regarding NIL. It was, it was out there with the best of intentions, and of course it's devolved because the adults have gotten and you always they always find, try to find a way to cheat the system it's not pay to play it's as you said name image and likeness and there's a huge distinction between the two and now we're going to, to the former instead of it being the latter which was the intent of the law so we'll see where it goes hopefully uh, the conferences because that's where all the power sits nowadays it's not with the NCAA so anyone out there that thinks NCAA it's not it's conferences they need to buckle down the ACC SEC Big 12 they all need to come together and figure out a solution to this or it's going to be out of control yep well that'll do it that was quite the episode this yeah. week covered a lot of ground in about an hour so until next week Tom Bradley Michael Antonicio Mark Clemente ABC on Pittsburgh Sports we're signing off have a great week everybody talk to you soon <laughs>